all about punchlines. Punch punchlines. Punch Don't get knocked out. This is Punchlines. I am Shane McMurdo, joined as always by my friend, new father, Mr. Michael Cook. How are you doing, buddy? I am good, man. We got a uh, yeah. big Wales interview today, man. We got a big one here. We got X Camp, IBF. If uh, I Caleb sound excited, True X. Yes, Mr. Caleb True X is on the podcast today. He, I've seen him. You've seen him in the ring with Danny Jacobs, Anthony Durrell, um, <clears throat> Caleb Plant, and in December of 2017, he went all the way over to England, which is has crowds for boxing events unparalleled in the modern era. He was a minus 2,500, or excuse me, a plus 2,500 underdog facing the one loss, James DeGale, who was the current champion. And for 12 rounds, he put the champ on his back foot and left with the world championship. And he's joining us today. Thank you so much for being here. You have no idea how much of an honor this is. And uh, how's everything with you right now, champ? My pleasure, my pleasure, man. And and uh, I, I wish I would have bested money on myself on that 25 to, 25 to 1 odds, man. I <laughs> could have came up some more than I did. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could say, yeah, I knew you were going to win, but I, I did not think you were going to win. I was like, holy <laughs> fuck, dude. That, 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 was a, that was a very impressive fight because, you know, DeGale had just been in there with Badu Jack, who's a very aggressive body puncher. He had been in there with uh, Porky Medina, who's same thing. And he dealt with them pretty well. I mean, they were close fights. One was a draw, but he could not handle you. I mean, it was one of the most impressive fights I'd ever seen. And it was frustrating to watch because I could just feel how suffocated he must have felt because it, it just, he couldn't get away from you. Yeah, that, that was that was the game plan going into that fight. Uh, you know, we, we watched uh, my team and I watched the Badu Jack fight, which was his, his uh, previous fight about 11 months before uh, we fought, I believe. And notice that, you know, Badu Jack, when, when he put pressure on him, the Gale was not comfortable. And there was no way I was going to go over there and outbox him. Uh, you know, he's an Olympic gold medalist, a slick southpaw. And so I just made it a fight and put that pressure on him. And, and that's what I'm known for. And uh, that's what I'm good at. So uh, how does it feel being it like out. being the Ford fighter in that kind of atmosphere? Like, you know, is it hostile territory? Is it all love? Like what kind of like, as opposed to being in the States, like the difference in that UK crowd. You know, th that crowd was crazy, man. The, the the fans are super, super knowledgeable. They love boxing. It's a, it's a major sport over there. You know, we got, we got football, baseball, basketball, hockey over here and, and they got soccer and, and boxing. That's about it. And so it was a, it was a huge deal. It was like, I think there was like Frick 8,000 yeah. people in the, in the copper box and, um, it was, it was uh, definitely could tell it was foreign soil. You know, I had my team and a couple of people over there, and the rest of the people were cheering for DeGale. But like I said, they're they're knowledgeable boxing fans, and they appreciated the performance that I put on. And uh, it was all love, especially after the fight. It was all love. You know, before before the fight, they're they're cheering for their guy and and want their guy to win. But after the fight, they they realized uh, what had transpired and and showed me love for him. I didn't buy a drink uh, for the next three days. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, you thought they were going to drug you? No, nah. <laughs> no. Nah, you said they're buying drink for him. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I remember I, Tyson Fury uh, talking about that. I stayed. Uh, normally, you know, you leave the day after the fight, uh, just right away, first thing in the morning. And my trainer and I had never been to England before, so we decided to we decided to stay an extra three days. And uh, yeah, 
they, the fans were awesome everywhere I went. They knew, uh, had watched the fight, knew who I was, and and were buying me beers all, all over the place. So it was uh, it was fun. Yeah, I have a question because I always get kind of like a different answer from people when I ask them. So for some people, when they win the belt like that, when they finally because you you weren't like the regular champion or the interim champion intercontinental. It was like the full fledged. You were the world champion. Yeah. So it's like when something like that happens, I've heard some people say like, like they had an out of body experience, like it was so surreal. And then I've had other people tell me like they were so confident that they were going to win the fight that when it happened, it was like there was no shock and it felt we it was weird how calm they were about it. How did you feel? Uh, you know, I, I was I was very confident going into the fight. I, I worked my ass off for you know eight weeks prior and and really, really studied DeGale and, and what he brought to the table. So I, I was confident going in. And uh, during the fight, I, I the fight was going my way from round two on. Uh, even though I lost like the first two rounds, I thought I, I it was going the way that I wanted it. So I was very confident in the fight. Um, after after the fight, I just dropped to my knees and and I knew I won it. And then then obviously you had to get the decision and going overseas and and. Uh, you know, fighting a guy in his hometown, there's always that aspect of it. You know, who knows oh. if they're going to give you the decision. And once I got it, I was I was more calm than I would have expected to be, like looking back on it. But I get the fight or I get the decision. I, I go to the locker room and, uh, you know, get dressed and go back to my hotel room. And I remember just like sitting in my hotel room like, man, what the fuck just happened, man? <laughs> <laughs> and just sitting there, I, I didn't go to sleep. I didn't go to sleep all night. And uh, was just like just kind of awestruck in my hotel room, and and uh, it was that's that's when it set in, you know, that's when it set in that I was the world champion and uh, what I strived to be my whole career, and uh, so uh, I was calm at first, but then uh, then it kind of over, overtook me uh, after the after the fact. That's incredible. I imagine the heart rate waiting for those scorecards just as high as it was. And like, you know, oh, yeah. How long <laughs> How long did it feel like it took for those scores to come? Well, they, they were actually pretty quick. So it made me, uh, you know, when, the longer they take, the, the the more likely you are to get to get screwed. To get robbed. And, yeah. Uh, the, the first the first card, uh, I remember like it was yesterday. The, the first card is uh, was a judge that scored it even 114, 114. And you can see me like. Uh, if you watch the the video, you see me. I just like go like that, like throw my hands up, and, like get the hell out of here. And uh, then the second judge had it one sixteen to one twelve, uh, or no one or was it one one fifteen to one twelve. So one of the rounds, the fifth round was scored ten to eight. And I kind of like did the math quick in my head, and and I'm like, oh, that's, that's got to be me. You know, there was no other way that there could be a, 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 a there was no knockdown, so there's no way it could be an extra point inside the fifth round when I beat him up pretty bad. And then the, the last judge had a 116 and 112. And so I once he said 115, 112, I, I knew it. And you can see me just pumping my hand and, and looking at my coaches and, and talking to them. And uh, yeah, man, <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. You're right, though, with that 114, 114, because I, I was like, fuck, man, he might have only gotten a draw because he, yeah. like you said, you know how it is. I mean, you're yeah. fighting a Brit in Britain and yeah. it, it, like they're notoriously bad. They're like, they're not as bad as Texas or Germany, but they're pretty fucking bad. So yeah. I was like, oh man, he might've only gotten a draw. Cause it, even like I said, I thought DeGale was going to win. And after it happened, I was like, there's, there's no way. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. And I, I thought it was even, even the judges who had me winning, you know, one was eight to four and one was uh, uh, seven to five with an extra point for one round. And 
I thought it was like a nine to three fight, you know, and, and that's what I was expecting. And because uh, he barely even touched me, he, he didn't he didn't hurt me at all. He didn't really land anything of substance. And and they said that first scorecard. I'm like, ah, oh, please, man, <laughs> don't rob me. Man. But they yeah, got you're going over there. I mean, and he's more than just a champion in his hometown, an Olympic gold medalist. Like, yeah, hell of a scalp to have on your uh, on your resume, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, in his uh, own backyard. Yeah, like ten minutes away from where he lived, <laughs> and uh, that was uh, that's the highlight of my career, man. He he had such a a weird style too, though the way he used his feet and like the way he would like angle his shots, like I I'd imagine it had to have been hard to prepare for. It was it was it was tough to find sparring. I I, I had really good sparring, uh, in the sense that I had a couple left handers. Uh, um, my man Aaron Coley out of California really helped me out. He 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 sparred with. Uh, he, we brought him into camp like three or four times when I was facing southpaws. And uh, then uh, we had a, a local guy, uh, Menjistu Zarzar, who was just a big, strong uh, southpaw, and was trying to rough me up. And Coley was more of the boxer. And uh, it was a, it was a good mix to prepare for the fight. But like you said, uh, it's hard to find a guy that is as awkward and as skilled as as the Gala. So. We just had to, to work with what we had. And I think the, the pressure uh, that I put on DL is what took his strengths away. You know, like he wasn't, didn't have room to box, didn't have room to, to, to get off those goofy shots and, and strange angles because I put so much pressure on him. And that's what, that's why I was ultimately successful. And you had oh, a similar ahead. attack plan kind of in Manuel got stopped, but with the Peter Quillen fight as well, you know, you're trying to smother the, the power puncture and push him back. Yeah. That, uh, so I, I had sparred with Quillen uh, in like 2012 and uh, um, I, I got the better of him sparring. And so after, after that fight, I was like, man, this is a, this is a fight that I want. And, you know, 10 years later, or eight years later, whatever, seven years later, uh, our fight was was uh, uh, scheduled for here in Minneapolis at the Armory, and uh, unfortunately it uh, ended because of the headbutt. But yeah, my my plan with him was just to put pressure on him and smother his big shots because he's a he's a big puncher if he can get his shots off, but uh, not uh, not the greatest boxer and didn't deal with pressure that well. So that was the game plan in that one as well. Yeah, they really his reputation as a power puncher is kind of held up too. Like a lot of people who was bar with him have said that like he carries the pop of a light heavyweight or like a bigger guy. Yeah. And it seems like whenever he struggles, it's when he's been like, when that's been taken away from him. Andy Lee smothered him a little bit late. And then, you know, how you fought him the first three rounds. We saw what Jacobs did. He just put the fire out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched, I watched a lot of uh, uh, his fight with Gabriel Rosado uh, going into that matchup with Quillen because Rosado uh, was doing very well against him until the fight got stopped due to cuts and, and he was putting pressure on him and, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a bigger guy than Rosado and, and uh, a better pressure fighter. And, and uh, I just wanted to apply the same tactic that, uh, that, that he used going forward and uh, pushing Quillen back in that point. And you, you're a guy too. I don't think you get enough credit for like the level of opposition you face because you didn't just fight Quillen and DeGale, but you've been in there. Like I said at the top of the show, Danny Jacobs, uh, you've been in there with uh, Anthony Durrell. And, you know, th those are like no light scalps for anybody. I don't think anybody who's fought them, they're outside of the top five in terms of opponents. So 
Like, is that something like you take a lot of pride in? Because a, a lot of people in both those weight classes can't say they have fought the names that you fought. Yeah, it is, man. Uh, and I've, I've, I've had to do things the hard way, you know, like being from, from Minnesota and not having a, a huge um, uh, backing or anything like that early in my career, I, I wasn't able to, to get away with uh, taking easy fights. So I, I, every time I fought somebody, I was always the underdog. Um, I was always the B side. And that's fine, man. I, I, I knew that's what I had to do to, to cement my legacy and to, to get, get uh, to the level that I wanted to be at as I had to upset guys and, and, and take fights on short notice sometimes, take, take risky fights and, and uh, just the way it had to be because uh, I didn't have anything given to me and, and I had to earn everything that I got. Because of that, is your phone still ringing with fight offers now? Because then uh, I wish it was ringing more right now, man. I haven't <laughs> fought, I haven't fought uh, since last January. I, I was hoping to fight uh, in June here in Minneapolis, but uh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. But uh, I still got some couple left of me, man. I uh, I'm in the gym every day and and would, would love to get something rolling here soon. But uh, it's 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 been a while since I fought, and and uh, I'm I'm getting too old to to take this much time off, man. I'm almost going on 39, and and uh, going to the gym every day is. Uh, is getting to be a chore when I don't have something scheduled. And, uh, uh, yeah, man, I, 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 I want to get something scheduled ASAP. So nothing on the books right now. So you have absolutely no intentions of retiring. No, no. I, I, uh, I was supposed to fight, uh, in Germany, um, uh, this past there, this past October and that got postponed due to COVID. And then in January, uh, got canceled due to COVID and, uh, yeah, it, just, it was kind of a setback, and it was a really good fight for me. I forget the guy's name now. He's uh, he's the IBF uh, number one or number two uh, guy, uh, Russian guy, uh, who who would have uh, – the fight would have been in Germany, but he's a Russian guy. But um, it was a good fight for me, and it would made me the mandatory for Canelo's IBF belt. So uh, it would have been a, a good win for me. What about somebody like David Morrell Jr.? Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a local uh, guy now. He, he's from Cuba. Uh, but lives in Minneapolis now, and he, he's actually fighting on the June 4th card that I wanted to fight at in the Armory, but that's a, a matchup that might happen in the future. I don't think he's looking to, to fight anybody uh, uh, on my level quite yet. You know, he's only got six fights, but he's a hell of a fighter. I've, I've seen him fight uh, pretty much every one of his six fights I've seen live, and uh, he's got lots of talent and uh, is a young, strong, uh, young, strong contender, but um, some somebody might get matched up with in the future. Yeah, you mentioned a guy like Gabe Rosado. I'm getting too old. You mentioned a guy like Gabe Rosado. That'd be a fight. That'd be like I mean, talk about live action fight. You're not gonna get much better than that. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. I, I I'm surprised we've we've never I've never been offered that fight. It's never even been in mentioned been in talks for me to fight him, which is strange because you know we fought in the same division twice. You know we were middleweights at the same time and. And now he's super middleweight, uh, like I am. And uh, for whatever reason, it's just never, never uh, came to and never even been talked about. So, uh, yeah, that'd be a good fight, too, uh, for the fans, for sure, I think. You have a few common opponents, too. Like, oh, shit, yeah, how did I not? I, by the way, I didn't even. Woo, I like that shirt, son. Hell yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know the vibes oh fuck. uh last time i wore this shit was when i went on a date actually cook with that hot blonde girl and then i beat her ass in mini golf and she told me she wasn't interested anymore 
Yeah. Hey, fuck she her. Win. Win. Yeah. What's she doing now? I'm interviewing a world champ, bro. Yeah, What's yeah. up? Actually, she she's in rehab now. She'd have been all over you, man, if you uh, if you just you just let her wear that shirt or something. Like that. <laughs> I know, right? This Maybe let her win the mini golf game too, you jerk. No, fuck that, bro. <laughs> now you got to blow the last the last hole, make her feel good. No, she's in uh, she's in rehab now, actually. Well, there you go. It worked no, out I'm, for you. I'm just kidding. I made that up because I'm better. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, I think there's because 168. I I don't know why it never really gets the respect. It's like it's it's just it's kind of like it's kind of like junior middleweight. It's just like it's not middleweight, so people don't care as much. But there's always been so many good fighters. Like back in the day when they had the Super Six tournament and everything, with all those guys, and even now because you still got Benavidez, you still got Caleb Plant, who you fought before, like Canelo. Yeah, Canelo still got all four belts, but who knows what's gonna happen now? Like what? Like what are your thoughts on this current like the landscape of 168? Uh, it's deep, man. I mean, there, like you said, Canelo, Plant, uh, Benavidez. Uh, obviously, obviously, Canelo's the the uh, cream of the crop right now. He's got all four belts and and beat all the champions uh, to get them. So he's uh, he's the cream of the crop. But uh, I think you will probably see uh, Charlo move up to 168 soon. Uh, you know, he'll he'll uh, announce his his. Uh, uh, presence in the division uh, in a big way, I imagine. He's a, he's a hell of a fighter. Um, you, think, you think he fights Benavidez? What's that? You think he fights Benavidez? Because those two don't like each other. I don't know, man. Like I, I wish they would fight. I wish I wish Plant would fight uh, Benavidez too, or Charlo. I wish I wish they would fight each other uh, because or Andre, uh, any of them. Oh, Boo Boo's up there now too. Yeah, yeah. Andre yeah. moved up too. Yeah, he, his fights just got canceled because he hurt himself, but. Uh, um, all those guys are, are really good fighters and all, you know, all undefeated except for plant with one loss and they're all great fighters. And, and why oh, the hell got, do you fight each other, man? You got Munguia sniffing around 168 too. I mean, dude, he'll, he, probably, he'll probably move up to 168 too. The opportunities are endless right now. Berlanga. Oh, yeah, you and Berlanga, dude. Let's see how Berlanga deals with you. Because yeah, I, 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 let's see how he deals with Angulo. I, I, I might pick Angulo to beat him, uh, uh, this next fight in June, that, that's oh, gonna be a tough fight for him. Yeah, I still, oh man, I still have like my heart broken because I'm a really big Anthony Sims Jr. fan. That's and, my guy. Yeah, that's my guy. Who Sims? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's I, dope. I brought, dude. I brought him in for camp. Uh, I brought him in for camp. Uh, probably like 2016 when he was a young kid. He was only like I think like 19 at the time. Yeah. But uh, just a, a talented, talented fighter and extremely. And, uh, that, that's my boy, man, and uh, I hope he, I hope he, he uh, gets back to uh, getting big fights because that that loss that he had to that Angulo was was a tough fight, and and um, yeah, he, he's more talented than that. Yeah, you could tell I, I he wasn't all the way there either. Like you could yeah. tell, like something was bothering him. But I think I think he beats Berlanga. I think, yeah, I think I think he would too. I think he'd outbox him in box circles around him, and he oh, was he's he, there was actually talk of him. There was talk of him fighting. Um, David Morrell Jr. here in Morrell won't fight him. Yeah, and, and I and uh, from what he told me that uh, he had signed the contract and and after that last fight he had on on Morrell's undercard, he, uh, now they moved on to a different direction. Yeah, no people people won't fight him. I I talked to him a little bit. I don't. I'm not cool with him like you are, obviously. But I talked to him. But yeah, he was saying he says like big things are coming. So I'm excited because he's. He's such a dark horse in that division because it's like 
he's one of the most natural talents I like I've ever seen yeah. coming out of the he amateurs. Talented. He was talented when I boxed with him when he was a young kid in like 19 or whatever, whatever it was. I'm not sure what it was. It was 2016 or 2015, something like that. And I brought him into camp and I'm like, man, this, this kid's got something. Yeah. He's, he's very fucking good, man. But yeah, I think cause it's, you've been in there with plant. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been in with Benavidez and sparring or Charlo or any of those guys, but you've been in there with plant at least. How do you, th- between those three, like, you want to see them fight. Do you have a pretty good idea of how they would go or is it because you don't know? Um, you know, I, I think it's, I think all the, the combination of all three of them are, are all really competitive fights. I, I would probably favor Benavidez against both uh, just because he's, he's bigger and uh, a real power puncher, but uh, you know, plants got a hell of a jab. Uh, I think Charlo is probably the the most complete fighter out of the three, but you know, moving up against a real big Benavidez, uh, that that might that's going to play a factor as well. Uh, Charlo's got a really great jab as well, um, a power puncher. Uh, it's 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 just a it's just a three guys that need to mix it up. You know, like any combination of fights will be good between those three. And there's no reason they shouldn't happen. They're all under. Under the PBC banner, most of them are PBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all all three PBC, and and uh, I just hope the fights get made, man. That's uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm a boxing fan first. I was a boxing fan first before I before I came a fighter, and uh, uh, I want to see him. So I, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the regular fans want to see him too. I took there's a like even like I mean for you now you like you're familiar with the UK fan base. They're familiar with you. Chris Eubank Jr. kind of floating around 160, 168 could be a big payday as well. And he is, I believe, the only one who's outside the PBC umbrella right now. Yeah, I'm not sure what his affiliation is. He he was uh he was with PBC for, for a few fights, I think. But he's uh, with uh Sourland. Sourland, okay. The Sourland yeah, brothers. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. He he uh <laughs> He likes calling out welterweights and uh, guys, yeah. guys coming up from welterweight that are past their prime. So I'm not sure what his deal is, man. <laughs> yeah, two fractured eye sockets, bro. It's like trying to pick a fight at the fucking VA, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> but uh, what what about John Ryder? John Ryder, um, would you fight him? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, man. I'm I not going to ask, would you fight him? You would fight anybody, yeah. I say, but I'm saying. I would saying... love to go back over to the UK for another fight before my career is done, and that's that's a good matchup. You know, I he's a, he's a, he's a good fighter. I, I saw him. I've seen him fight live, I don't know, three or four times. Or not live, but on TV three or four times. And and uh, uh, I, I thought he beat Callum Smith when, when when he fought Callum Smith. I thought he lost Danny Jacobs when he just when he just fought him uh, just recently. But uh, he's a he's a good fighter. That was a very close fight. Are yeah. so? Are you promoted by anybody right now at all? Are you yeah, still under Heyman? I'm still Heyman. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's no reason you shouldn't. I mean, Alantes Fox. That's another guy. That would be a good fight. You guys would be a very entertaining fight. Yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> and you haven't had any names come across your desk at all. No, man. I I um I just talked to uh, my my promoter Tony Gragelko like. Uh, two days ago. And, and he said, he's trying to get me on the, the June card here in, in Minneapolis, but uh, no, no dice yet. So just waiting to see what happens, man. Uh, just staying in the gym and, and working out and, and trying to stay ready. That's about it, man. 
that whole armory setup looks actually fantastic out there in Minnesota. I've never been, but in terms of like, you know, the crowds you see on TV and just the overall atmosphere, it's like a great place to fight. Yeah, it's sick, man. It's it's kind of reminds me of uh, not outdoors, but it reminds me of uh, the Stub Up Center in California, where it's just a, a knowledgeable fan base here in Minneapolis, and and they come out and support uh, the fighters, and and uh, shit, it's it's. For, uh, it's a smaller venue. It, it holds, I think, when it's full, if they open up the whole thing, maybe like 6,000 people. But uh, the, the the boxing crowd sets up for like 4,500, and they're they're pretty much getting everybody in there uh, every time they the PBC comes to town. So it's just a really, really cool atmosphere and shows well on TV. And the people that run the armory are awesome. They, they support boxing. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sweet venue for boxing. Those little intimate arenas are like underrated in terms of live fight uh, atmospheres. You know, like I was in LA for work and like the theater shows, it's more fun being in a crowd with, you know, 900 full than it is being in the Barclays center. That's, uh, you know, one eighth full. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure the sound of the armory, as opposed to a bigger, less full Barclays center, it's like, you know, it's a better atmosphere to be in. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. It's like when I fought Quillen at the Armory in 2019, uh, we were talking about earlier, uh, I think they sold like 4,300 tickets or something like that. And it was it was sold out, basically. And it's different from a fight in Las Vegas or or, uh, California where there's 4,300 people there and there's 4,300 people there like at seven o'clock to watch every single one of the fights and everybody's drinking. Everybody's having a good time. And it's it's a fantastic atmosphere. You mentioned the StubHub Center earlier. Did you ever fight there? No, I wish, man. I wish that that's that's uh, uh, one of my that was one of my bucket list uh, places to to fight and to. I've never been to there to see a fight either. Oh, and I I'm saw. Going to, I'm going to go there. I, I, it's called something else now. I forgot what it's called now, but uh, yeah, although um, you always change the name of it, yeah, it's been like Dignity, three different things. Dignity Park, something. Dignity Health Park, yeah. yeah. Dignity but Health, I'm, yeah. I'm 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 trying to get out there and and watch a fight for sure. I, I saw Andre Berto versus Victor Ortiz two out there back in like 2016. Yeah. And uh, I got to meet like a whole bunch of fighters and stuff. I got to go ringside and everything. So I was sick. Got to meet like Mikey Garcia, Danny Garcia. But is like what I love about that too is because I'm originally from Vegas and I, I've been a diehard boxing fan my whole life. And just seeing the old fights that used to happen at like Caesars Palace, just outside outdoors. Yeah. So it's like it's like you get to see modern fighters, but just the nostalgia effect to like the sun is setting while people are fighting. It's just so sick. It's yeah, yeah. I fought outside awesome. once and I loved it. And I fought outside once and there was a there was a, a thunderstorm that was coming in and the temperature dropped about 30 degrees and right before I was about to fight. So it sucked fighting there, but it was cool. Oh uh, my god. <laughs> it was cool uh, fighting outside. Was this pro or amateur? Yeah, it was. It was right before I won uh, the right before I won the title. It was against uh, Keandre Lattimore. I think. Oh, it was Leatherwood. Oh, Leatherwood. Leatherwood. Keandre Leatherwood. Leatherwood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we fought outside at Grand Casino Hinkley in their big amphitheater. It was, it was a packed card and uh, uh, really, really sweet crowd. And like I said, the weather was perfect. And then Minnesota happened, and and it, uh, <laughs> a thunderstorm came in, and it was cold as hell right before I went on, but. It was all good, man. I, yeah, I ended up knocking him out in the tenth round. I broke his jaw. <laughs> oh. Leatherwood was another. He was a high-ranked guy at the time he beat him too. That was probably 
Were you the underdog going into that fight? No, no, he was, he was, uh, I was the, the favorite, but he, he was tough. He, he, he had just come off uh, a fight with Andy Lee. I think it was Andy Lee's last fight where he, he ended up retiring after a fight and Leatherwood uh, gave him a tough fight, went, went the distance and, you know, won a few rounds from him. Uh, but uh, uh, when I fought him, it was, uh, he, he was good. He, he was a good boxer, slick and kind of just awkward. And uh, he won a few rounds early and then I just put the pressure on him and, and caught him and, and uh, broke his jaw with the uppercut and the referee stopped in the, in the uh, 10th round, I believe. I don't know if you guys are like me and Cook, but if you are, then you probably love hats, specifically new era fitteds. I think he and I have both spent a ridiculous amount of money. I just almost spent $60 the other day on Hat Club and had to talk myself out of it. That's how ridiculous it is. And if you join with us like that, then you probably know that a hat is not complete without a pin. It's one of the best parts, best things you can add on to it. And there is not a better place to get pins than SinCity.pins on Instagram. SinCityPins is the name of them, obviously. They're the number one pin supplier in Vegas. They're at all the malls out there. And they're starting to branch out, and they're shipping everywhere in the United States now. And I'm really cool with the guys that do it. I know how good they are at what they do. That's why I'm doing this. And they have everything from, like, $100 bill roll-ups the Grim Reaper, they have glow-in-the-dark aliens for when they did a special Area 51 drop. It's real high-quality stuff. I know how good they are and how hard they work at it. That's why we're doing this partnership. And if you guys reach out to them and you use the code PUNCHLINES10, they'll give you 10% off your whole order. Hell yeah. Yeah, that. no, I, I remember watching that fight. For some reason, I didn't know it was cold as shit. Yeah. But, dude, <laughs> I get what you're saying. <laughs> I live in Boise now, and this weather... It pisses me off so bad because it's like, we'll have nice weather all week. And then the weekend, this last Saturday, it snowed and rained. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking on. May, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over <laughs> it. But so you, uh, you, you're still in Minnesota. Do you train like when you go into camp, it's in Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to be here in Minnesota. I got, I got kids, man. I ain't trying to spend time with my kids. So who's, um, who's your trainer? Uh, my trainer is Tom Halstead. Uh, he's been my trainer my whole career. He, he's a fantastic trainer, man. If uh, if he, I always tell everybody, like if he was in Las Vegas or in California, he he would be a a, a world renowned trainer. But uh, uh, you know, we stay up here in Minnesota and keep to ourselves. So <laughs> I saw a secret. clip. Are you still training at the? Um, you were like you you had an abandoned. Uh, it was almost like a warehouse that you were running from the county, right? Uh, yeah, we, we we moved up. Uh, we're always moving, man. We moved uh, once since then. We actually just moved to a new facility like two weeks ago. Um, it's it's uh, it's called uh, what, what the hell is the name of the city? I don't know what the city is. Lexington, uh, or no, Circle Pines, Minnesota, and uh, just right outside the metro. And it's a uh, it's a it's a way better facility. No no more leaky roof. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> got a shower now. Yeah, we got showers. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, I'm I'm excited to get things rolling there. We got we got some amateurs that are actually we got four guys that are fighting this weekend and and uh things are uh live again in the gym it was kind of stale for a little while but uh things are heating back up in the gym now you you mentioned you like to stay in minnesota because you have kids uh we were just talking to our friend the other day on here uh his name's joey barrero he's felix trinidad's nephew he's he's a fighter but he's also a father you know our my boy Mike himself, he just had a kid a week and a half ago. Congrats, man. 
Thank you. Uh, I'm not sleeping much. And I was wondering why you got bags underneath your eyes, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sleeping much. <laughs> yeah. He about to test his hand speed on them motherfuckers, bro. But, <laughs> Yo, he, does, he, he sticks to high guard. Oh, yeah, he does the earmuff. Yeah, the baby sticks there with the high guard, man. I think he knows it's coming. Did, um, but w- was your was your first child born before or after you turned pro? And if it was after, like, how much did it change your whole mindset? Because everybody's answer to this is always pretty intense. Yeah, it was after, man. It was uh, right before I fought, um, right before I fought Anthony Durrell. And, uh, you know, I've been on the record on different interviews saying this before. My my, my lady uh, almost died in childbirth um, uh, when I had my first child. And uh, when I took that fight with Anthony Durrell, I, I was not in the right headspace. I shouldn't have taken that fight. And, and that's why it turned out the way it did. And thankfully, I was able to um, bounce back from that and and kind of kind of reset and and go on with my career. But I thought I was going to have to retire after that because uh, of the way I was feeling going into that fight, like worried about if I'm going to get hurt, if I could take care of my 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 girl and my my baby if if something happens. And uh, um, since then, uh, you know, I've had a son, so uh, Gia is, is six and a half now, and Cam will be three here on Saturday. But uh, uh, it's it's just motivation, man. It 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 drives me to um, to be at my best and provide for them and and uh, just uh, give them things that I never had. That's insane. That because I'm trying to put myself in the situation. Like, so how how soon before that fight was was your your kid born? Uh, just a couple months. Uh, she was born in February, and that fight was. Uh, April, like the start of April, I believe. So oh, you're going, so... you're you're prepping for camp then. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, man. So it was like a mindset that you would never even experience before. No, man. I, I remember having like a. I'm not a. I'm not a person with anxiety or anything like that. And I remember getting on the plane and like having an anxiety attack. Like shit, what happens if this plane crashes and I can't take care of my girl? And she was like hardly even walking at the time. And and. Uh, uh, she had she had a stroke and uh, bef- that's she had to have a she had a stroke and then she had to have an emergency C-section uh, to get the baby out of there and um, yeah I remember having like a panic attack on the plane and then got to the got to uh, Atlantic City I'm like all right I'm cool now and then I remember getting in the dressing room getting wrapped up and getting ready to to go out and fight and I like locked myself in the bathroom and was like laying in the bathtub having like another panic attack like shit man what happens if this dude hurts me and i can't uh come home and take care of my kid and take care of my lady yeah not not uh what you want to be thinking about (laughs) going into a fight with a a world champion yeah somebody as tough as shit as anthony durrell too that's that is it's almost like it triggered your fight or flight instinct and like you were just in a prolonged state of that yeah, man, it was uh, like I said, I, I I told myself and I told my girl like if I ever feel that way again, preparing for a fight, I'm I'm retiring on the spot, man. I I I can't go into a fight thinking those things and and uh, putting myself in harm's way because I'm not 100 percent prepared to to go to battle, you know. And I couldn't imagine, man. We our, my wife labored 27 hours, um, and it wasn't an emergency C-section, but it was like a, all right for the baby's health. 
because of like you know the heart rate goes up and down during labor and just like my reaction to that without having to you know be in training for a fight following that it's like i couldn't imagine where you know the headspace is and also just finding that drive to you know focus on like you said going to battle yeah well i was finding the drive but i wasn't focused <laughs> i was i was uh in uh um autopilot mode like doing i knew i knew i had to do what I had to do, but, uh, yeah, a hundred percent not focused on anything but my family. And, and that's why that fight ended up the way it did. You know, I've never, I, I was knocked down twice in the first round and I have never been knocked down on my career by anyone, uh, sparring or fights or anything, uh, other than that fight. And Anthony Durrell's a, a hell of a fighter. Don't get me wrong. He's a world champion, but he's not the biggest puncher. And, and, uh, I was confident going into the fight, but, yeah, not not the right mindset. Yeah, I have I think, no if, I think if you would fight him ten times, you win the majority of those fights for sure. I would have loved to. I, I would or still. I, I would still love to uh, to to get a chance to to run it back. But uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how many fights he has left, and if he'll if the stars will line up. But uh, I would love to to avenge that loss. I have no kids. And I'm going to be honest, you guys are not doing a good job selling the idea of it. That sounds uh, have right. Oh, my God. Go we'll find that blonde chick that, that's in rehab and uh, uh, be your savior. <laughs> no, I, no I, uh, I blocked her on everything. Just yeah. so, uh, so, champ, the kids, the, the lady, they're all healthy now. Everything's good. Yeah, everything's all good, man. Everything's all good. How Beautiful. many kids do you have now? Uh, two, a uh, daughter and a son. Oh, so it's perfect. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I ain't having no more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh God, I yeah, <laughs> I feel so bad for my parents because it's like you, like I don't know. I feel like everybody experiences that. Like they're always like, you always get pissed at your parents for shit when you're a kid. And then you grow up and you're like, oh, they spent like half a million dollars on me by the time I was like twelve. <laughs> like, oh man. Oh man, they start costing money before they even get here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole process. So uh, you're still under the PBC umbrella. We've got the the one this weekend, the uh, Charlo Castaño rematch. Uh, are you familiar with the Charlo? Have you ever like trained with the Charlos, being you know Midwest guys? No, I've I've uh, I've known I, I've met them before, and they're both they're both real cool dudes, man. Both both really respectful, both cool dudes. Like they come off different on TV, like they're like kind of wild and crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I met both of them, and they're both down to earth, really cool dudes uh but that that first fight with charlo and castanio was a was a hell of a fight man and i expect the same thing the first time i think charlo will get the better of him this time uh but uh yeah the first fight was close man it deserved to be a draw what about the uh benavidez fight you said you might pick angulo or uh you said you might pick angulo against berlanga but benavidez he's fighting lemieux yeah how do you see that one going i I think he, uh, you know, he I, I out, hasn't fought for a long time. I, I'm, I'm not sure what Lemieux is going to show up. Uh, but the one thing, the one knock on, on, on Benavides is, is he, he doesn't have great defense and, and Lemieux is a hell of a puncher. So, uh, I think he's got a chance for sure, but, uh, I, I favor, I favor Benavides. Uh, Lemieux might give him some scares with, with that good left hook, but, uh, for the most part, I think Benavides will probably overwhelm him with, with volume and power. And then a few weeks later, Berlango faces Angulo, and you're considering picking Angulo. Why is that? Uh, you know, I, I've never been super impressed with uh, Berlanga. You know, he's, he's a big puncher, and 
and uh, you had that knockout streak. But uh, his last couple of fights, he uh, when he got in there with a guy that he's not going to stop in the first round, um, he he hasn't looked that great. And 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 Gulo's tough, man. I mean, he, he like you said, he beat Anthony Sims, who's a who's a guy that I would pick to, to beat Berlanga. And uh, he also uh, went the distance with uh, Zerto uh, Ramirez. So um, unless unless Berlanga catches him right away, I don't, I don't see him. Uh, you know, blasting him out right away like he has a lot of his guys. But uh, I think I think it's going to be his toughest fight for sure. And then how do you see yourself going up against him? Against Berlanga? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I would uh, I would just box, man. I would uh, extend the fight, like try not to get caught by some crazy shit in the, <laughs> in the first round. Like he's known for knocking people out. And uh, I would uh, – I would love to fight him, man. I, I, I think that uh, his style um, meshes well with mine. So not only would it be a friend, fan-friendly fight, but uh, it would work in my advantage, I think. I don't, I don't think he would handle pressure too well. And and uh, not only can I put the pressure on, but I can box a little bit and have more experience than, than anyone he's fought, for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think they're putting him in the ring with you right now. No. No, no I don't think so either. I'm surprised that he's already fighting again because he didn't look great against Steve Rolls. And Rolls ain't a super middleweight, bro. No, I think he looked no, he looked no. very vulnerable against Steve Rolls. Yeah, and Rolls was fighting to survive almost and and uh, was still winning rounds, I thought. Yeah, yeah, no, I said that. And that's no disrespect to Steve Rolls. He's a, he's a, he's a talented guy, but he's also – he's not a, a world champion-level fighter either, I don't think. Yeah. So He's also he's also not big for a middleweight. You know, he's a he's – a, he's a, He's a average size middleweight that moved up to super middleweight to fight yeah, for a long. He was He's a big super middleweight. Yeah. Very blown up in that fight too. But you mentioned earlier that you, when you fought Darrell, it was the first time you'd ever been dropped in a fight or sparring. We've asked, we've asked a few guys this early, uh, lately, just because, because the first guy I decided to ask this because it's such a cliche question. The answer was so fucking insane. But we had a former welterweight world champion Kermit Cintron on. Uh, not too long ago. And I, I asked him who's the best fighter he ever got in the ring with fighting or sparring. And he told us he sparred Vladimir Klitschko for two rounds <laughs> as a welterweight. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I've never sparred Klitschko. That's for sure. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> but I'll, So I'm going to ask you the same question though. Who's the best person you've ever been in the ring with at the time you got in the ring with him, sparring or fighting? Um. You know, I, I've been in the ring with a lot of a lot of top flight guys, man, and and uh, they all have their um, qualities that that uh, stick out. Um, you know, uh, Jermaine Taylor had a hell of a jab. Uh, uh, Caleb Plant had a really really good jab, really good jab. Um, James DeGale was was very awkward and and hard to get a handle on and quick. Uh, but I think probably like the most uh, the most comprehensive fighter that I fought was had to be Danny Jacobs. Uh, he was, he was, he had good power, really good speed, good defense. Um, he was, he was a, uh, uh, he's a, he's a really good fighter. So I'd have to say him. Great. Danny Jacobs. Too. Like Danny Jacobs, when he was coming up, I mean, it gets like the motor he had, he was always in shape. I, I can really understand why that would be the, you know, the toughest to deal with because he's got power and skill. Yeah. Oh, when you fought him too, he was on a heater. He was yeah, like, he was uh, he was he was on top of his game, and and I think he went on 
he had a few fights after that, but then he fought uh, uh, Triple G, and I thought he won the fight with Triple G. I, I, I probably I in that, but uh, I, I scored I, it for him. I scored it for him as I watched it. Yeah, yeah. me too. So um, you mentioned growing, like being a fan as well as a fighter. Growing up in like the nineties, like who were like the who do you say like influenced you the most, like in terms of how you adapted your style and like the fighters you looked up to the most? My guy's Tito Trinidad, man. That's that's my favorite fighter of all time, and uh, I named my dog after him, and that's my that's my guy. <laughs> he was yeah. uh, he was my favorite. No, we're super cool with his nephew. He's like one of our best friends. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah cool, it's cool. Yeah, Tito is... is a bad motherfucker. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, he he knows. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> we. I wonder if anybody. It's so funny because we we talk to guys like that it's just the crazy has a fan ever said just like some absolutely banana shit to you on social media like they were qualified to fucking do so uh it happens all the time man like never in person like in person i i'm i'm a as chill a dude as you could possibly be so i don't ever have nobody come up to me asking or acting crazy or nothing like that but um on social media everybody's got something to say I, i don't i don't pay too much attention to any of that stuff even the British people didn't spout off some nonsense to you, some word that no one knows but them. Yeah, but I don't they understand ain't... what they're saying for the most part. Yeah, bro. <laughs> it's, it's so adorable, bro, because they'll be like, oh, you fucking tiddly wink. I'm like, what the hell is that? You bloody wanker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, British people fuck me up, bro. One of my favorite videos of all time is this dude walking an emu down the street just cussing. <laughs> <laughs> but... <clears throat> So you you got no fights scheduled to come up, not even, but you're, it surprised me though, because I, I wouldn't call you a journeyman because you're way above a journeyman. That's be, be disrespectful, but you've been, you've had quite the journey as a fighter. Like you've been in there yeah. with everybody and, and, and nobody's ever been scared to throw you in there with a top fighter. And we've had guys like Sammy Vasquez come on and, and even, Joey Barrero, Tito's nephew, he just got offered a fight last minute against Jamel Herring, and they only offered him like $35,000, and like the takeaway was just terrible, and Sammy Vasquez was saying his promoters were used to be taking like 33 and a third of his purse. Like, have you had some economic, like just sharks, like like people just try to rip you off at any point in your career? No, I mean, I've uh, I've been lucky uh, to that extent where, um, you know, I've, I've been with the same guys my my whole entire career, um, my coach, my trainer, my my manager, my promoter, um, you know, PBC came on board, I think probably like 2014, maybe 2013. And uh, Al Heyman and PBC have been uh, fantastic to me. So uh, I've been I've been fortunate uh, in the sense where I've never had to deal with with. Uh, um, anyone in boxing, uh, that's, that's, uh, what give, gives boxing a bad name, <laughs> put it that way. Right. Do you think boxing is still in a bad place in that regard? Um, I think it's in a lot better place now than it was, you know, especially like in the eighties when yeah. crazy shit was going on, Don King and all that stuff. But, uh, I mean, there's still people getting taken advantage of and, and, uh, that's never a good thing, uh, especially, you know, fighters who may not be super well-educated and, and, uh, financially savvy or anything like that coming from, from poverty. It's, uh, tough to, to 
be able to know what's going on when somebody offers you money and, and uh, contracts and all that stuff. But um, I think, uh, I think it's in a better spot than it has been in the past, but you know, if anyone's getting taken advantage of it's uh, it's not a good thing. Do you think that now that we live in an era of like, like athlete empowerment that, you know, cause people in general haven't had a louder voice than they ever have with social media, but athletes especially are much more powerful than they used to be because their access to communicate, you know, with the rest of the society and not let a certain person dictate the narrative. Uh, do you think that's been something that's really helped it in to, to get fighters like a leg up? I think so. I think uh, social media is, is, has been a positive in that regard um, because there's more information out there, the internet, obviously, and, and social media, there's more information out there for fighters. And when somebody does somebody wrong, uh, you know, the, the, the fighter, whoever has been wrong can always go to social media and say, this is what happened. And, and uh, that um, I guess uh, discourages other people from, from working with that person and, and kind of holds the, the person that's doing the wrong in check. Uh, but yeah, I, I would think that uh, that was the case. I imagine a guy, um, like you mentioned, like with uh, promotion and the social media, but I imagine a guy like you who's like, you know, you got your eight-count beer with uh, Lapulin Brewing, I believe. Lupulin, yeah, Lupulin Brewing. So like a guy who like, kind of, I imagine you're out and about, like you're out, whether it be at the brewery or like, you know, I, I imagine the local love has to be great because of your presence in that community. Yeah, man, I, I, you know, I, I, I live just, you know, 20 minutes away from where I was raised and grew up and, and uh, I do a lot of charity work in the community. I'm, I'm always at, at bars and, and liquor stores promoting my beer. And, and uh, you know, I, I've been in Minnesota guy my whole life. Don't plan on going anywhere. And, and uh, I mean, the even the name, right? Golden, Golden Gophers, Golden Truex. That's right, man. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, community, the, uh, the community embraces me for sure. And, and I got nothing but love for, for everyone that's, that showed me love uh, throughout my you know, 15 year career. And you said the beer is called eight count. Yeah. Eight count and 10 count. We got 10 count too. Is it what 10 kind count of the, dub, the double IPA version of the uh, eight count? Yeah. Eight counts. Uh, uh, a hazy IPA and 10 counts of a double black IPA. Oh, what what makes it a black IPA? That's I know what a double IPA is, but I, I don't know what a black it's, IPA it's, is. It's, it's dark. It's like kind of like a stout kind of like a uh, real dark in color. And, and uh, oh, so there's how many IBUs are in it? 100. Holy shit. Yeah, that, that's a lot. Bro. That's Put a you lot. down for a 10 count. Not, not, way to pick up on the branding, bro. Yeah, ten percent alcohol, hundred IBUs, man. You drink too many of those, and you'll be out for the ten count. <laughs> well, I'm uh, uh, I have. I'll, I'll talk to you about this offline. Actually, That's, I'm not going to do that to you on the interview. <laughs> Mind me to cut that out. But um, so where if we wanted to buy this, where could um, where could we get it? Because I know we probably can't get it at the liquor store, but you got the fucking internet. I know I can probably buy it somewhere. It's it's uh it's available uh in like 12 different states and it's available in a bunch of different countries as well, but I'm not sure exactly offhand, which, which States, you know, I'm not sure if it's in Idaho, I'm not sure it's in Philadelphia, but uh, um, it's out there. I mean, uh, you go on the Lupulin website at Lupulin Brewing uh, and just, uh, and they probably have a map that, that shows you exactly how to get it or where to get it, or if you can order it online. So 
I'm not sure, man. I should, I should probably know that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure good. it out though. And do they have, do you got an Instagram for it? Does the beer itself have an Instagram or the brewery? Yeah, just at, at Lupulin Brewing. Yeah, yeah Lupulin. I'll, I'll shoot you the link, Shane. I've got it here in front of me. Yeah, we'll be sure to tag them in the post. That scared the shit out of me, bro. That dog yeah, sounded my, like uh, it. What kind of dog you my, got, bro? What kind of dog you got? That's my uh, black and tan coon hill. Okay, okay. Bro, that's <laughs> named their Brooklyn because back when I wrote for Boxing Insider, I'd go up to the Barclays Center like every single month. Yo, that thing sounded like it was in my room. <laughs> no, she's in my garage over here in the Echo. All right, but uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, dude, true, uh, Champ, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. It's yeah, not, this has been an absolute been a fan. honor. My pleasure. I've been watching you fight for uh, pretty much since you got to PBC. Yeah, I've been yeah. familiar with you most of my career. I got the shirt. Uh, I, mean. <laughs> I, I love, I love being able to. You know, I think it was over a year ago I just moved to Vegas and I talked to you a little bit after the plant fight on Instagram and fast forward to now. And now I'm interviewing you on our podcast. It's it's phenomenal. I can't thank you enough for being on here. Guys, uh, this is Punchlines. It's been a great interview today. I'm Shane. Cook is with us. Uh, he is Caleb Golden Truex, former champion of the world. Follow him on Instagram. Try his beer. Uh, just drink all of my beer, again. man. Drink all of it. <laughs> oh i got challenge dude. accepted hey <laughs> yeah i got some navy guys bro they're yeah they're, they'll, they'll drink your shit up bro for real <laughs> so check them out guys thank you for listening have a good one thank you guys for listening please join with me in helping former super middleweight champion of the world tony Superbad harrison he owns a gym up in detroit his home city that he uses as a, a good instrument to help the children out there to get off the street and have something productive to do inside the gym. Unfortunately, the ceiling and roof is really damaged. And when, when it rains, when water just pours through and damages and destroys equipment. So they set up a GoFundMe to help raise some money to get them across that finish line so he can continue doing a good thing in his community. So check the link in the about section of this episode. If you're listening on a podcast or click, check the link in the YouTube videos, as well as in my Instagram bio and let's help out the channel.